regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Today we're going to be talking about the uh, latest state to adopt constitutional carry. Uh, In Alabama, lawmakers approved a, a constitutional carry bill last year, went into effect on January the 1st. And it sounds like there are uh, folks on both sides of the issue who are not happy with uh, how the law is playing out, at least in the uh, early going. Uh, AL.com, the uh, big story on uh, Wednesday, talking about the uh, permitless carry law, stirring questions and concerns among law enforcement, as well as a gun rights group. Now, Uh, The objections from law enforcement, uh, in particular the Mobile County Sheriff, that's nothing new. The previous Mobile County Sheriff, Sam Cochran, was probably the uh, uh, biggest opponent, at least the most vocal opponent, of uh, constitutional carry as this was being debated. In the uh, state legislature in 2022, uh, he did not run for re-election. But the uh, no, new Mobile County Sheriff, uh, Paul Birch, who was a uh, captain, I believe, under Sam Cochran, uh, is still speaking out uh, about constitutional care, what he sees as uh, problems with the new law. They actually held a uh, he held a press conference with uh, Mobile's police chief uh, on Wednesday, saying that the uh, new constitutional care law was, quote, ambiguous, confusing to lawyers and includes, quote, varying degrees of punishment, which um yeah, well, I mean, you know, like sometimes we do have misdemeanor offenses, sometimes we do have felony offenses. So, yeah, I'm not sure that that's really all that problematic, particularly when we're talking about police who don't prosecute cases, right? Police make arrests when violations of the law occur. It's up to a prosecutor. And there were no prosecutors at that press conference, coincidentally enough, um, complaining about the new permitless carry law. Um, however... Let's talk about some of the other objections here. The uh, Mobile Police Chief, uh, uh, Chief uh, Paul Prine, said that uh, law enforcement remains concerned over whether firearms are allowed at or near schools. And he urged lawmakers to be more clear in the backdrop of mass shootings at schools nationwide. He said, I'd be an advocate of not allowing firearms on school property. And the fact that we're having this discussion today simply tells you that there's a lot that's misunderstood about the new law, and there is no clarity. Well, I'm I'm not an attorney, and Prine, as well as the uh, Mobile County Sheriff, have asked the uh, Alabama Attorney General for an opinion uh, and clarification on the uh, new permitless carry law in the state of Alabama. But based on my reading of House Bill 272, I don't think it actually changes anything uh, regarding the, uh, uh, yeah, the what the law in Alabama said uh, before permitless carry was passed. The language of House Bill 272, as it was enrolled, um, so you know this is the language that was passed, signed into law, talks about uh, the only reference to schools that I could find was actually uh, school athletic events. Um, and it says that permitless carry is not allowed uh, in those school athletic events. Even if they're not held on school property, uh, you may be able to carry if you have a concealed carry license. Um, but according to uh, the language that I saw, you would actually need to get permission from the school district before you did so. Um, now, that might be problematic from a legal perspective, but it shouldn't be that difficult to figure out what the law currently says. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, group Bama Carry has its own problems with the uh, new permitless carry law in Alabama. Eddie Fulmer, who is the uh, head of that organization, 
Uh, says he does not support language within the new law that he claims allows law enforcement officers to take someone's gun during a routine traffic stop. He said, we don't feel like when you're pulled over for running a stop sign that an officer should take a weapon from you and run a background check. If you don't tell them that you have a weapon with you, then you're susceptible to a criminal offense. We're not happy with that at all. We didn't write that in there. The Republicans wrote that in, and we tried to get it taken out before it was passed. So, yeah, that too sounds like it might be a a little problematic. Um, And again, uh, that might actually be a a detrimental change to uh, what Alabama law was before constitutional carry was passed. You know, again, when you are uh, making sausage, it it is not always a a pretty picture. Uh, And I said at the time that I thought uh, Alabama's permitless carry bill was a a good step forward. Didn't mean that it uh, it didn't need some tweaking in the future. But I got to say that I think one of the biggest objections on the part of law enforcement actually has nothing to do with how this law is written or any ambiguity in the law. I, I think really what's driving the opposition here particularly in places like Mobile County, is the fact that sheriffs became increasingly reliant on the revenue that they derived from issuing concealed carry licenses to the point that uh, uh, AL.com quoted the uh, Mobile County Sheriff as saying that during the second half of last year, the Mobile County Sheriff's Department lost an estimated $800,000 because people were not getting their concealed carry licenses in anticipation of permitless carry uh, becoming the law of the land. Now, that's not a, uh, I, 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 I can't say that that's the fault of permitless carry, right? Uh, to me, it seems more like this is an issue with how law enforcement in Alabama is getting funded. And if the funding for sheriffs is in any way, shape, or form based on charging people to exercise a fundamental right, I think that's that's problematic. Uh, and Eddie Fulmer with Bama Carey says he doesn't think that people aren't getting their licenses. He pointed to the uh, five-year pistol permit uh, as the reason why license renewals may have been down. He says that uh, most law-abiding gunners will likely continue to get a concealed carry license. He says, I have a five-year permit, and most of the people I know still buy permits. Uh, The Association of County Commissions of Alabama is working to draft legislation that would supplement the lost permit funding to sheriff's departments. I'd be in favor of that. But again, I don't think that the sheriff should be deriving any portion of their budget off of the backs of people trying to exercise a fundamental right. That's that's problematic in the first place. Um, Whether or not that funding needs to be replaced, whether there needs to be some sort of mechanism to do so. I'm certainly willing to listen to that, uh, but I don't buy this argument that, well, we need to repeal constitutional carry or we need to start charging people again uh, for exercising a fundamental right, because otherwise, you know, our departments are going to suffer. They shouldn't be funding off of constitutional rights to begin with. So we will look and see what happens in Alabama, whether or not there are any uh, attempts to tweak the uh, constitutional carry language that is currently in place. I, I, I don't see any effort to repeal uh, the law, but again, there may be some uh, changes to satisfy both law enforcement, at least in terms of funding, uh, and uh, perhaps satisfy uh, groups like Bama Carry as well by 
I don't know, making it clear that, uh, yeah, well, you might have a duty to inform the officer when you are uh, pulled over that, hey, you know what, I'm lawfully carrying a concealed firearm, uh, that that alone is not reason to take that firearm and run a background check on someone who is presumed to be a law-abiding citizen. But we will keep our eyes open on what's going on there in uh, Alabama, bringing more details as uh, the session progresses. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We will uh, start there with another case out of California. You know, yesterday we talked about the 23-year-old suspect accused of shooting and killing a 24-year-old police officer in Selma in Fresno County. And the fact that this guy, less than a year ago, was sentenced to five years in prison, spent about five months behind bars, and was then released. Well, Northern California, there's a... uh, Another situation here, and this one, again, I think is indicative of a much bigger problem uh, in California. This comes from the uh, website Lost Coast Outpost, which uh, covers Northern California, Eureka, Arcata, uh, Eel River, places like that. And uh, Ryan Burns of Lost Coast Outpost had a very disturbing story uh, this week. Family of Victim asks, where's our justice as teen killer gets released back into the community? So this teen killer, 19-year-old Logan Rain Brewer-Hurst, three years and eight months ago, when Logan Hurst was 16, he fatally shot Tavon Latimer three times in the back during a drug deal gone bad. Brewer-Hurst also shot Latimer's 18-year-old cousin, Dalen Prudhomme, in the leg. The DA's office at the time pushed for Brewer-Hurst to be tried as an adult. He was 16. Uh, but a judge denied that request. And in December of 2020, Brewer Hurst was sentenced to 15 years in a detention center uh, belonging to the state's Department of Juvenile Justice. Four years for involuntary manslaughter, 10 years for using a firearm, which tells you a lot about the screwy nature of California's gun laws, right? Actually, killing somebody, mm, uh, you know, that's a four year sentence, but using a gun to do so, well, that's 10. Uh, and then one year for shooting Prudhomme. Now, as Ryan Burns writes, it was understood even at the time that Brewerhurst would not serve all 15 years. Under California law, the maximum sentence that can be imposed on juveniles ends incarceration at age 25. But nobody thought that Brewerhurst would be walking away after less than four years. And that's exactly what is happening here. A situation that Ryan Burns blames on California lawmakers. Um, he says, under Senate Bill 823, a piece of juvenile justice realignment legislation that Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law back in 2020 calls for people aged 14 to 24 who committed serious offenses as minors to be returned to their home counties and either placed in county juvenile halls, which were designed for pretrial stays, or if they are deemed to be rehabilitated, released back into the community under probation. And that's what's happening with this 19-year-old who four years ago less than four years ago, was convicted of manslaughter. Apparently, the state views him to be rehabilitated, and so he gets to come home. Um, Gary Thompson, who is uh, the great uncle of uh, Latimer, said, I'm confused in my head. I can't wrap my mind around this. He said he spent more than 20 years as a corrections counselor. He spent more than 50,000 hours with juvenile offenders, and he says something in this just doesn't feel right. He said that never during his career did he see someone convicted of such serious crimes get rehabilitated in three and a half years. And uh, the judge in this case listened to the families, 
Uh, I think I, I think honestly, kind of sided with the family. Um, but the judge also said that she was unable to prevent the release of Brewer Hurst, though she did add a number of restrictions to his probation as requested by the prosecution. Problem with that, of course, is that as we've already seen, like in the case of this 23-year-old who's accused of killing a Selma police officer, you can violate your probation in California as an adult and little to nothing happens. Let's say you get arrested, convicted, you get a 10-year prison sentence, um, eight years of which is stayed, right? So you do a, uh, a year, uh, maybe less with, you know, time off for good behavior. You get out, you're on probation. Supposedly, if you violate that probation, then that remaining eight years is hanging over your head, right? Well, in the case of this 23-year-old who's accused of killing the Selma police officer, apparently he was convicted of a felony, um, did a, you know, minimal amount of time behind bars, was released on probation, violated his probation, but rather than be returned to prison to complete the totality of a sentence, eh, he got two weeks in the local lockup, and that was it. And that's what is likely to happen to uh, this individual here, if the 19-year-old violates his probation. He's not going to be returned to prison. He's going to get another slap on the wrist, and then the system is going to spit him right back out. Because sadly, California lawmakers, from Gavin Newsom on down, care more about restricting the rights of law-abiding citizens than ensuring consequences for violent crimes. Now, today's Armed Citizen story from South Carolina, actually, excuse me, from Georgia, uh, uh, where police say a father in Brunswick County, Georgia, shot a homeowner during a uh, pre-dawn confrontation. Uh, according to the Brunswick News, with his young daughter and wife hiding in the master bedroom, a uh, father shot and wounded a, uh, an intruder last week after the man allegedly shattered glass doors in an attempt to gain entry to the home in Glenn County. The um, mother told dispatchers that the man was on the ground and moaning outside in front of the house following the uh, shooting. County police officers arrived to find the suspect running into a wooded area behind the home. Uh, 44-year-old John Joseph Waterman, treated for his wounds at a, a local hospital, booked Friday into the Glenn County Detention Center on one kind of first-degree burglary. Uh, Waterman... Uh, list his address as the uh, Salvation Army Homeless Shelter in Brunswick. He remained in the county jail as of last Monday. Police alleged that he shattered one layer of a sliding glass door in the rear of the home before going around front and then throwing a brick through a glass front door. The uh, mother, father, and daughter all woke up to the, uh, to the sound of that uh, breaking glass. Mom called 911 from the master bedroom where she was hiding with her daughter. Dad grabbed his gun, stepped out of the bedroom to investigate, and when he realized that an intruder had actually uh, caused that noise, he, um, I guess he went back and grabbed a larger uh, handgun. Uh, the man said he found Waterman inside his home from the living room, yelled, get out, get out. And that is when the uh, father shot Waterman twice. Um, again, police apprehended uh, Waterman in the woods behind the home. Afterwards, police said they found glass all over the living room of the residence where the uh, rear glass door had been shattered. They also found a big rock uh, under the dining table that apparently had been used to shatter the uh, front glass door. Uh, Glenn County Police Captain Michael Robinson says the investigation uh, is open, but they don't expect any uh, charges to be filed against the uh, homeowner. He said the offender was treated for his wounds, cleared for jail. Uh, it's not determined, and nor was he charged with home invasion, just burglary. 
Uh, currently, no charges are forthcoming towards the homeowner, and this investigation is continuing. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A, a good Samaritan in Atlanta, Georgia, who uh, reunited a missing dog with its owner after the dog and the owner's car were both stolen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just a reminder. I don't, I, don't, I don't care if you live in a big city or a small town. You pull in. To just go in, I'm just running into the store. Turn off your car and lock your doors. I, I really, I, 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 I live in rural Virginia. I don't leave my car running when I go to the gas station, when I pop inside of the grocery store. But yeah, apparently that's kind of what happened here. Uh, Trey Speck says he uh, just ran into a CVS uh, in the Buckhead neighborhood of Atlanta on uh, Tuesday night. Parked his car in the lot. His dog, Ronnie, an 18-month-old English bulldog, uh, was still in the car. And Trey Speck says that somebody jumped into his vehicle and then drove off. Speck said, I literally ran inside, grabbed two things off the shelf, came right back out real quick. I was parked there. No car. No Ronnie. Yeah. He said uh, that he felt extremely helpless. He didn't know what to do. Now, he was able to track his car through an app. And he said, at that point, I realized my car was getting on the interstate. Contacted police. Uh, police eventually told him they found his car uh, in the uh, northwest side of the city. But um, when they recovered the vehicle, Ronnie, the English bulldog, was nowhere to be found. So Traceback uh, posted flyers all over the Bucket neighborhood, uh, offering a $3,500 reward for his missing dog. Uh, he said, he, he's Ronnie. He's my support system. When I'm not at work, wherever I go, Ronnie's with me. Well, late last night, Apparently, a, a good Samaritan found Ronnie and was able to reunite uh, Ronnie and Trace back so that they are back together again. And uh, hopefully, from now on, Mr. Speck locks his doors, takes the keys, doesn't leave the car running. If he has, whether or not he has to leave Ronnie inside. Um, again, just a very simple thing to do. That can prevent an incident like this. I'm glad the story had a, a happy ending. Thanks to the uh, anonymous Good Samaritan in the right place at the right time. Willing and able to do the right thing for both a, a dog and a man in need. We thank you for your very good deed. That has got to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as always. We'll be back with another show on Monday. But uh, between now and then, don't forget to check out BearingArms.com where we are keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information from across the nation, the good, the bad, and unfortunately, there's a lot of ugly going around these days, too. But uh, again, we are covering it all for you. If you like what you see, I mean, not what we're covering, but how we're covering it, uh, I would also encourage you to become a VIP member at Bearing Arms. All you have to do, go to bearingarms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive news stories and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter and it really does make a difference. So thank you again. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you back here on Monday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.